And I'm appreciative that I've grown enough in the Lord to allow people that can do what I cannot do to make our church stronger. So I'm very, very grateful for that. There's a lot of special abilities in this room right now. And some of us, if we had an opportunity to talk to those who are sitting next to us, you would be amazed at the capabilities that each of these, each of you have in the Lord. And I pray that none of you would ever underestimate your importance to what God is doing here at New Direction. And as we begin to focus our attention on transitioning from this location to Middletown, we are preparing ourselves to serve in ways that we haven't served because of the uniqueness of the community that we're going to. And it absolutely will require all hands on deck. Amen? Amen. Amen. God has demonstrated what he can do through our church. He blesses this church. And I just want to remind you to join us tomorrow at uh, 6 a.m. for the first 15 uh, where we come together as a congregation to pray. God is using prayer to usher all of the decisions that are being made, and he's granted us favor because he, he says that the fervent, effectual prayers of the righteous have great benefit. So let's not underestimate prayer. If you have not been able to join, those of you who are uh, routinely on the line, you know your life has changed, and God has used you to be a part of what has made us a family what has caused unity not to be only something that we teach about and talk about, but we're walking in that. And you sense, I know, a different spirit when you come through these doors. Uh, you know the presence of the Lord is here, and that, has to, that definitely is connected to, to our prayer time before the Lord. And also just want to remind you, life groups is not something we do. It's who we are. The way this church is going to grow is going to be two things. It's going to be disciples making disciples. All the materials that I'm teaching on Sunday morning, if you don't use it, it would have been eight weeks of waste, eight or more weeks of wasted time. The church is going to grow the same way it has always grown, by making disciples. Evangelism followed by discipleship. When you do that, the church will grow. When we do not do that, the church will die. Not the church of Jesus Christ, but this church will die if we don't make disciples. The other thing that disciples do is that we grow in our relationships. So we intentionally have designed for you. I have uh, the life group uh, uh, ministry so that you can be a part of a group where relationships can be formed and needs are met. If you're not a part of a group, you need to connect to the groups because that is what we're taking with us. We're not taking everything to Middletown, but life groups will follow us. Discipleship will follow us. There's some things that we will leave, but those are things that we will build that are we're going to build to last. Amen? Amen? Amen. So let's pray. Stand with me as we go before the Lord in prayer. Turn in your copy of the Word of God to Exodus chapter 18. Thank you, my brother. For reading Sodom and Gomorrah's story. Amen, amen, amen. I want to begin uh, reading in verse 7 of chapter 18. So Moses went out to meet his father-in-law, 
bowed down and kissed him, and they asked each other about their well-being. And they went into the tent, and Moses told his father-in-law all that the Lord had done to Pharaoh, to, to the Egyptians for Israel's sake, all the hardships that had come upon them on the way and how the Lord had delivered them. Then Jephthah rejoiced for all the good which the Lord had done for Israel, whom he had delivered out of the hands of the Egyptians. And Jephthah said, Blessed be the Lord who has delivered you out of the hands of the Egyptians and out of the hands of Pharaoh, and who has delivered the people from under the hand of the Egyptians. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all the gods, for in him the very thing in which they behaved proudly, he was above them. Then Jephro's then Jephro, Moses' father-in-law, took a burnt offering and other sacrifices to offer to God. And Aaron came with all the elders of Israel to eat bread with Moses, father-in-law, before God. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you and we bless you for what you're going to say and how our hearts have already been kindled by the fire of the Holy Spirit. Now, oh God, turn what is a spark, make it ablaze, make it ablaze, make it an overflow, because you are truly more than enough. In Jesus' name, amen, 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 amen. Bless the Lord, just move it back. Amen, amen. Someone has compared the church to a football game, much like the sorry Miami Dolphins and the, the no-win Giants. How many wins? No-win Giants. <laughs> they pretty bad, ain't they? Can I get an amen? In a football stadium, there are, at any given time, 22 players in between the lines on the field, 11 on the offensive side of the ball, and 11 on the defensive side of the ball. So 22 players on the field who are in desperate need of rest because they are totally exhausted from playing the game of football. While in the stadium, there's 70,000 fans. And by the way, my good friend John Slay, Reverend Slay, is in the house. It is so good to have him here today. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. 70,000 fans in the stands who are in desperate need of exercise and to be relieved from their status of spectators. That does aptly describe the church in many instances where you have a, a select few who are totally exhausted from laboring in the church while many are spectators who are enjoying the ride. George Bronner, one of the Christian uh, 
statisticians. She had a recent survey from 2021 through 2022. And he shared that during that period of time, right as the pandemic is ending, some 42% of all pastors surveyed contemplated quitting the ministry. Many pastors have quit the ministry, uh, especially those who have been full-time. And the interesting thing about these pastors is that they were busier than ever, especially after the impact of COVID and the trauma that it caused in the lives of people. But though they were busy, they were not feeling blessed. Busy, but not blessed. How many of you know you can be busy without being blessed? Although Christ reminds us in his word, he says, come unto me, all you that are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Christ promised that if we come to him, he would make our loads lighter and that he would give us peace. Many Christians are leaving the church never to return again. I don't know how many people that I meet in the hospital who were formerly very active in their churches, but they no longer attend and have no conviction about returning. Some have left smaller churches to join larger churches where they don't have to serve, and you can simply kind of blend into the, the woodworks and spectate. You have nothing to do as long as your offering is coming regularly. You are fine. Christians are checking out of their marriages. Uh, discontinuing the level of commitment to even raising their children. They put them in front of their iPads or computers, and everybody is on automatic pilot, even in our homes. They have grown weary in being ministry-driven, ministry-focused, because now many feel worn out. I'm going to ask you to turn that off. Thank you. Many Christians have for years been ministering on empty, empty spiritual tanks, resulting in burnout. Somebody say amen. amen. The book entitled Burnout, The High Cost of Achievement by Herbert Fudenberger defines burnout as follows. Burnout refers to a person in a state of fatigue or frustration brought about by devotion to a cause, way of life, or relationship that fail to produce the expected results. Burned out because of a cause that you've been committed to and you're exhausted emotionally and mentally because what you expected from your investment didn't happen. When we are burned out, life can feel like a treadmill, like you're on this 
treadmill. You, the more you work, the more you sweat, the harder you try, the more you are feeling the pain of the effort, but when you look around, you find that because your life is like a treadmill, you haven't gotten anywhere. You're still where you started, and you feel because of that, you want to quit. You want to quit. The problem is you can't quit because you got to pay Peter and Paul to pay Bob. <laughs> and if you walk out because you're burnt out, the people that depend on you will be in a desperate situation. If you just, I don't know about you, but there have been times I felt like, let me get in this car. I'm about to just drive. Wherever it take, where, I'm just going to face it. I ain't going north. I'm going south. I'm going to keep driving. As long as my money can keep me driving, I'm going. It's kind of like the man who was running away from his wife because he was burned out in the marriage. And the minister said, look, man, you got to go back to your wife. God put the two of you together. And then he said, well, tell me about your marriage. He started telling him. The pastor about his marriage and the pastor said, let me give you a couple dollars so you can, you can keep going. <laughs> let, 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 let me help you out, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't, you, you don't need to go back that way. Some of us would have checked out long ago if we weren't so responsible, if we thought that those who really matter to us would not be affected by our decision. Now, let me share three disclaimers before I start talking about busy but not blessed and what it means to be burned out, because all of us are doing too much. I don't know anybody, even in your retirement, you say, I'm supposed to be retired. When am I going to ever know what that's like? People are so overwhelmed by the tidal wave of life that we seems like you just can't even come up for air before there's something else to do. Parents, uh, the, the way they've set things up, the one day that you would have off is Saturday, but all of the, you got to catch up on your bills, you got to catch up on your groceries, you got to catch up on the things that you didn't do at home. And then you, if, even if you want to come to church, they've set this thing up in such a way, all of the sports activities are on Sunday. You know, they, and they, of course they're going to happen after 12. That's when the Catholic Church that usually has the leagues, Catholic Church has one-hour service or a 15-minute service. So they're going to get their service in, and then they start the leagues, and then the families that would otherwise come to these kinds of churches are running off from soccer to basketball to football, and it's just overwhelming. But we're on this treadmill. We can't get off because we got to keep our kids active and doing productive things. And yet, we're busy. We got more stuff than we ever had, bigger houses, more money in the bank, nicer cars, looking physically healthier than we've ever been, but we're not happy. There are more people on psychotropic medications to control anxiety and fear than at any other time in the history of this country. Drug addiction is at an all-time high. More people are dying from overdoses than at any other. How could that be when there's so much available? We're busy, but we're not blessed. 
we're not feeding the part of us that God has designed in us that is so essential that without it, we will find ourselves totally, totally, totally stressed out and or just kind of going through the motions. Revolving door, revolving door. We're going, end up same place, same place, same place. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Now, now I'll give three disclaimers as we jump into this uh, passage of Scripture that we're going to be looking at. First of all, some people are exhausted and burned out from failing to do what God told them to do. You're busy, but you're not blessed. That doesn't mean that you aren't doing a whole lot of things. But if I asked you why you're doing it, it has no connection to your spiritual gifts, has no connection to your talents, has no connection to what you sense your purpose in this world is. Why did God put me here? I'm just, there's something to do. There's somewhere to go, some place to be. This Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 26 to 25. He said, everyone who competes in a game goes into strict training. They do it, with, they do it to get a crown that will not last but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Here it is. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like someone punching the air. Some of us are just punching the air. We don't have any kind of direction for our life. And we're exhausted. We have no direction beyond today. And whatever today brings, that's what we do. Paul says, I do not live my life aimlessly. I am running to, I'm running to earn a crown. I'm running to win. I'm running to fulfill my divine purpose. I have been called. I am God's workmanship. I have been created to, for good works. I'm not just tired because I'm tired because I've got my hands in everything. I'm a master of many things, but a, I'm, we call it a person who, who can do a lot of things, but a master of none, a jack of all trades. And that's what I'm trying to say. Amen. Now, some people, as you listen to the sermon, you're going to decide, you know what, Pastor Benson is right. I'm burnt out. I'm worn out. I'm frustrated. I'm exhausted. I'm going to cut back on church. <laughs> the first thing you're going to, you're going to eliminate is, is the church. <laughs> Man, I've been praying like three times a week. I'm going to cut that back to one time a week. So the first thing that we decide that we can eliminate is the spiritual. Failing to realize that Jesus said, but seek ye what? First, the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these things will be added. So you don't want to be cutting back on the most important thing. That is what's going to sustain you. I didn't say, as we're going to, as we're going to look, the Bible says, be not weary in well-doing. Didn't say stop doing. Just don't get weary in well-doing. Don't get burned out. Don't get worn out. Don't throw in the white, don't throw in the towel. Don't raise up the white flag. You will get weary, but you don't have to give out. So we're not trying to get you to cut back on spiritual things. That's why we tired. Our souls are, are, are not replenished. Our souls are not, are not properly nourished. I've said, as newborn babies crave the sincere milk of the word, that we might be sustained, nourished by it, that we may grow, grow, grow. Be healthy. But here are the people that I want to talk to today. 
I want to primarily direct my message to you, the Christians who are here and listening on live broadcasts or live stream. You serve, you are the person who serves when others who are perfectly capable of lightening your load sit. You serve while they sit. And if you were totally honest and admitted how you really feel and how serving sometimes makes you be weary, you, you would say that you're sick and tired of watching people watch you work without helping you. So I'm talking to the people who are willing to roll up their sleeves to do whatever it has to, whatever has to, whatever needs to be done, even though they're already doing more than they should be doing in many instances, but will step in the gap where others won't. I'm talking to you today. I don't want you to be busy without being blessed. If anybody could identify what it means to just be busy without being blessed, that would be Moses. Moses understood what it means to just be totally absorbed in your, in your work life, in your duties. It's one thing to, to have to do something. It's another thing to feel passion and devotion about it. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You ever have somebody that you walk in and, and uh, they just stand and they're looking at you? They're waiting for you to shake their hand or say something to them. It's like, who made you the poopah here, whatever you supposed to be? What are, what are you supposed to be? Uh, if I shake your hand, I may do it, but I don't want to. So you ought to be able to, life should not be drudgery. Life should not be just going through a revolving door. Life should be exciting and energetic, and you're doing it out of devotion, not just out of obligation. That's what makes marriage dull. It becomes an obligation. You're just doing what you got to do. Just making the donuts. <laughs> you got to get some Krispy Kreme sometime. <laughs> Moses could identify with the life that is busy but not blessed. Listen to what verses 17 and 18 say in chapter uh, 18. It says, so Moses' father-in-law said to him, the thing that you are doing is not good. You're doing a lot. It ain't, man, this ain't good. Both you and these people who you are with will surely wear, burn out yourselves. For this thing is too much for you. Somebody need to say that to themselves. You need to look in the mirror as you're getting up to do another thing for somebody else. This is too much for me. This is too much for me. Now, if you aren't doing anything, don't lie. Don't, don't you dare get in the mirror and talk about this is too much for me. God might make the mirror crack. You are not able to perform this by yourself. God never intended for you to do everything, but there is something for you to do. I want to begin just by sharing the portrait of a busy person that is not experiencing the full blessing of God. What would a person who is busy but not blessed, what would they look like? Would they look like you? Would they look like me? Have, have you ever 
been going through the weekend, somebody say, it's, what day is it? And you say, I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. Oh, it's Christmas again? Oh, when is Christmas? It's tomorrow. Oh, it's tomorrow? Okay, okay, okay. I thank God for people that remind me. But it shouldn't be like that. I confess that I should never be so busy that things that are most important just become another thing on my calendar. Somebody say amen. amen. Here's what a person who's busy but not blessed would look like. They would be a person who is engaged in what I call self-neglect or self-indulgence. They're two extremes. Two extremes. Moses was engaged in self-neglect. This is a person who was so absorbed in his work. You'll see, he never read of Moses talking about anything other than his job. These are people, I've seen this with caregivers, and this is really interesting, that sometimes the people that are taking care of their loved ones die before they love us. So when I visit with them, I said, when is the last time you saw the doctor? Because you, you want to, you, <laughs> my husband needs a, some breakfast. <laughs> I said, wait a minute, your husband, when's the last time you went to the, well, when I started taking care of my husband five years ago, that's the last time I saw a doctor. When's the last time you got your teeth looked at? They're kind of hanging in shag, straggly there. <laughs> what about a hairdresser's appointment? They stop doing any of those things for themselves when they start having children. Husbands and wives stop going on dates. They stop enjoying time with each other. Or husbands and wives uh, have stopped having their own individual time to kind of understand who they are at any given time in your life. We grow and we change. So I see caregivers that totally neglect themselves because they're so absorbed in the responsibility of taking care of somebody else. Didn't the Bible say somewhere, love your neighbor as who? As yourself. If you aren't loving yourself, you really aren't able to properly love others. So if you're neglecting your physical appearance, when's the last time, wait a minute, I don't want to talk about working out and going to the gym, but... You know, some of us, you know, we, we, don't, we, don't, we don't do just things to take care of ourselves. And then there's the opposite extreme, self-indulgence. I didn't wipe noses. I didn't change diapers. I didn't cook food. I didn't done everything for everybody. It's me time now. This is, this is my, I'm about to do me. We got to do not disturb. If somebody even comes looking in our direction to ask us to do something that doesn't fit into our schedule perfectly that asked us to do something that take us a little bit out of our comfort. We ain't doing it. This is self-indulgence. And the reason both, both for self-neglect and self-indulgence, the cause is you burned out. You just totally went in all, you know, nothing holding back, doing everything for your children, your family, your husband, and now you just don't have nothing else left. I believe that when we're born, God gives us all a certain amount of gears. You can wear those gears out before your time on earth has come to a conclusion. Self-neglect. Are you that person? Are you neglecting taking care of yourself? Now, again, don't, I'm not trying to open up 
the, the people that are selfish are going to say, I need to do more for me. I'm talking about those who are absorbed with taking care of others at the expense and exclusion of yourself. Here's another one, sleeping without resting. You wake up feeling like you never went to sleep. Like you're just as tired. I hate when people say, you look tired. I'm like, no, I don't. <laughs> man, I thought I looked pretty good. For a young man. Mm -hmm. So you go to sleep and your mind never shuts down. It's on overdrive. He's thinking about everything you had to do, all the stuff you didn't do, how you could have done something better, what did people think about what you did and what you didn't do, who didn't you speak to, who you should have spoken to, who you should have called, who you didn't call. I wonder how they're really doing. They, they, they sounded like they were okay, but I don't think they were okay. And your brain is just on overdrive, and you're supposed to be sleeping. And then you finally go off to sleep, and the alarm goes off. <laughs> but the scripture says, God speaking in Psalm 127 through the psalmist, for so he gives his beloved sleep. The Lord said, I give you sleep. I give you rest. Why can we rest? He said, because I keep it Israel. I watch over Israel and I neither slumber nor sleep. So if I'm awake, no sense in both of us staying awake. But when you are burned out, when you are busy but not blessed, you're not going to sleep well. Isaiah adds, God will keep us in perfect peace when our minds are stayed on him because we trust in him. We trust in him. When you are, over, when you are overextended, when you are exhausted, when you are burned out, you got a mission, you're going to accomplish it because you are you just a person that just don't quit. What's happened? You don't have no peace. I said, I'll give you perfect, complete peace because your mind is stayed on me. You'll be able to rest. Anybody have trouble sleeping? Amen, 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 amen. I saw that. That's, yeah, 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 yeah. Sometimes, I, I know I don't need as much sleep as some people do, but I need to go to sleep. When I go to it's time for me to go to sleep, I need to go. Here's another uh, portrait or characteristic of him. Sedating depression and discouragement with food, drugs, alcohol, sex, or gambling, are just binging on videos or music. You, 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 you're doing your stuff, but you're trying to deal with you, the pain of monotony and the sameness and the responsibilities. And here we go again. The way we deal with it, you know, like these energy drinks, <laughs> we, don't, <laughs> we don't just drink a bunch of whole energy drinks. We go get a bottle of alcohol. Or we, we put something in our arm or we snort something in our nose. Or we get on the computer and get a little pornography. Oh, I feel a little better, and then I can handle it. Or we sit and eat Twinkies or potato chips, or, and we find ourselves gaining weight. Why? Because you're burned out. You're emotionally overdrawn your account, and it's depleted. And so we want to feel better, so we sedate ourselves. We substitute the emptiness a lot of times we focus on, what peop on people's behavior and we don't understand the cause. A lot of times people are just burnt out. 
Don't you get tired of all the bad news? What's going on in Israel, Ukraine? Every time you turn around, somebody's getting their brains blown out. Or, you know, some woman's getting raped. I mean, it's just like, whoa, this is too much. Remember after the pandemic when we were finally able to come back to church? I said, we can all just, we just need to scream sometime. You know what happens? When you, when you can't deal with the pain of the, of the routine and the, the, the things that you just can't, the obligation, it, it makes you angry. Amen. And that anger just becomes, you can't just tell people you're angry, and you just hold it down, hold it down until you finally explode. That's why I believe we have so many, so many mass murders and shootings. Let's run on. So sedating yourself. What are you doing that you shouldn't be doing to feel better? I, I, I know I didn't hit it when I was talking. Some of you don't do drugs. Some of you don't do. What are you doing that you shouldn't be doing to feel better about what you should be doing, but you don't want to do it anymore? What are you sick and tired of having to do that you still got to do? I mean, if you just flat out honest, and you were say, I'm sick of this. You know, this could also be you. I'm sick of me. Have you ever said, Lord, I ain't never doing this again. I'm done. I'm done. And here you are right again, the same, same pig's pen. <laughs> Ew, God! I told y'all, I said, I remember a, new, a young Christian in, at, back in college. I told the Lord, what I, and then he get, the devil hears everything you say. Oh, you ain't going to do that? You're not going to go there? You're not going to say that? <laughs> okay. I know your plans. So he's going to strategize. And I remember falling again. And I told the Lord, I said, I'm never going to pray and ask you to help me again. Never. Didn't realize I was praying then. And the Lord said so clearly, I will never leave you. Even though you may forsake me, I'll never leave you. Amen. What are you sick of? You can become chronically ill. Oh, let me, let me, let me. Uh, are you substituting unhealthy behaviors to get through what you're going through? And a guy used to be a chain smoker. After he stopped smoking, he drank like six cups of coffee a day. So he stopped, <laughs> he stopped smoking. <laughs> now he's just a chain coffee, and he's going to be wired up. <laughs> what unhealthy habits are you, have you substituted to deal with what you're going through. What are you doing? Be honest. What are you doing? Are you saying, I ain't going to pay attention to it. The Lord will handle it. No, you got to deal with it. He ain't going to just handle it. So some of us just call ourselves ignoring. Let me run on. Sickness that occurs because your immune system is compromised through self-neglect. You become more susceptible to illness when you're burnt out, when you're fatigued. When you're not taking care of yourself, and every time you turn, you got an infection here. You got, why are you always sick? Because you have not taken time to address the fact that you are just, you're not happy. You're busy, and you smile. I got good all the time. Hallelujah. It ain't God or able. He's able. Yes, he is. I can tell you he is. And then those people go home and blow their brains out. How could they kill themselves? Because they were not happy. They were depressed. Sickness. Are you constantly ill with things that never bothered you before? And all of a sudden, you can get, You look at somebody now, you sneezing, and what happened? Your, your immune system. Uh, Self-doubt. 
You feel like a failure. Why am I still at the same job? Why haven't I gotten married? Why don't I have what she has? Why don't I have what he has? Why can't I get over my feelings? You feel like a failure, self-doubt. You feel incapable of improving your situation. Moses was the guy that had an impossible job of leading ungrateful people. God called them stiff-necked and rebellious. <laughs> babies, that's, we would call them the babies' kids. Every time he turned around, they wanted to fire Moses. If you were a better husband, if you were a better wife, God, is that woman you gave me? Self-doubt, you feel like a failure. Super sensitive. Here's how you know when you're burned out. Every perceived criticism or lack of gratitude triggers you. You mad. Why are you so upset? I just said, I mean, saying I don't like the way you raise your voice at me. What do you mean I raised my voice at you? I whispered. What do you mean you whispered? I didn't even whisper. I just thought hello. You heard me think hello? <laughs> When a person is stressed out and burned out, they become very, they can become very critical, very upset with the least little thing. And they're storming out. I ain't coming back here. I'm sick of this marriage. I'm going to divorce. And I'm going to go. And I ain't going to never love you. You ain't going to never love me. You burned out. And the question is, why are you burned out, Moses? Did God give you the assignment? Are you in the place where God put you? Here's another indication, saying the right things while secretly feeling resentment towards people that always seem to want more. You say, <laughs> God bless you, sister. Here she come again. <laughs> Still hasn't paid me my money. <laughs> Still hasn't paid me my money. When's the, next, when's the next time she says or he says thank you will be the first time they say thank you. So you're saying the right things. You're giving your testimony, you're reading the scripture, but in your heart, you're resentful. You're burned out. Settling for routine as your highest expectation. How many of you know that God just, just wants your day to be smooth all the time? We just don't want nothing to be out of what you expect. No, settling for the routine as your greatest expectation. No, I don't care how old I get. I'm, I want to be surprised by God. Every time I come to church, I say, God, what you going to do today? What is God going to do today? So when you, when you burn down, you don't want anything. Just, just, just Let's get through this. Routine should not be your highest expectation. You shouldn't be trying to go to heaven just coasting in, in, in your, in your in, 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 in having this, your, your life on automatic pilot. What new challenges are you believing God for? What new word is God putting in your spirit? What things had God, have you never done but God told you to do that you think you're too old to do, but he, never, he didn't tell you not to do it? You still should do those. Let me, let me run on. So spiritualizing why we keep saying yes when you should be saying no. We spiritualize it. Well, as unto the Lord, as unto the Lord. Even Jesus rested. In Mark, when you get a chance, in Mark chapter 1, verses 35 through 38, after Jesus had healed many of the sick and he preached, the Bible says he got up early in the morning before the sun rose and he went to a quiet, solitary place to pray. And then Peter and the, and the others, they found Jesus. Where are you at, Jesus? All these people were looking for you. We can, we can plant a church here. And Jesus said, let's go to the next town. 
Because for this purpose, he understood, for this purpose I have come. And so we need to be able to stop spiritualizing and saying yes to everything unless God gives you permission to do it. A, a, a young man and his father were walking in the woods, and uh, the son's just grown, he's just as tall as his dad, and they walk in the woods and they come to a part of the road, and a, a tree had partially, a tree had fallen down. And the young man's going to impress his father with how strong he is. And so he gets under the tree, and he keeps trying to pull it up. And, he, and more hard, the tree just wouldn't move. And now he's sweating, and he's angry, and he's frustrated. And he turns to the father, why don't you help me? And the father says, you never ask me. You never ask me. And so the father said, would you like me? So the father comes. The two of them were able to remove the chair. Some of us are frustrated and burned out because we never ask for help. We never ask. We never ask. Does any of these descriptions describe you? Now, the problem of being busy but not blessed can be seen through the experience of Moses. When you get a chance in Exodus chapter 18, verse 1 through 3, Moses had family problems. The Bible says in verse 1, it says, Now Moses' father-in-law, Jephro, Zipporah, took Zipporah, Moses' wife, and he had sent her back with her two sons. And Jephro, Moses' father-in-law, came with his sons and his wife to Moses in the wilderness where he was encamped at the mountain of God. Now he had said to Moses, I, I, your father-in-law, Jephro, is coming to you with your wife and her sons with her. Let me just point out three things. Moses had family problems. What he did when he left Egypt, when they were delivered, he sent his wife and children away. He sent them to live with his father-in-law, Jephro. Three months have passed. He hasn't sent for his wife. But Jephro shows up, but in order for Zipporah, Moses' wife, to see him, he, she has to make an appointment through her father-in-law to get to see her husband. If, if you're so busy that the only way your family can see you is that a secondary source has to make the appointment for you, you're too busy. You're too busy if your family can't see you unless they make an appointment with you through a third party. Now, watch this. So Moses had sent his family back. Moses' father-in-law, he made the appointment, but some people said, well, he sent her away to protect her from the... No, he didn't send his wife, the poor and children away to protect them from the Egyptians because the Egyptians were dead. They drowned in the Red Sea. He wasn't sending her away for her protection. He was sending her away because he was too busy serving Jesus. He didn't have time for his wife. My wife sometimes asks me when I come home on Saturday night at 9 o'clock, where have you been? Where have I been? I've been married 31 years, and she'll still ask me, where have I been? Because I haven't been with my wife all day. That's right. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I can identify, you know, and during the week, I'm coming home from my first job, and I'm getting right on, I'm, so sometimes I'm not coming up off that computer until 10, 10.30 at night. So I, I, I'm not, I'm not going to be mad at Moses, but he sent his wife and children away so he could focus on the Lord's work. That's a problem because the pastor's first ministry and a husband's first ministry is to his family, and, but, but first to his wife. Moses had to find out about his wife and children being in the camp 
through his father-in-law. He had to make the appointment for, for Moses. Here's the third thing that was really deep. When you read about the sons of Moses, he had two sons, but they referred to as the poorest children. Uh, uh, Moses' wife, after she had sent back with her two sons, and then it says, I, your father-in-law, is coming to you with, with your wife and her two. What? Her two sons? They would be Moses and... So he was an absent father. He called the poorest kid. No, Moses and her had those kids together. That's always uh, really uh, is interesting to me when parents say, that's my child. No, I don't think you did that by yourself. But Moses' sons are referred to as the poorest children. He was an absent father. When you overly committed to things that God didn't tell you to do and your work becomes all that you are and what you do, you're going to have problems. He had friendship problems. Moses had no real friendships. Whenever, when he talked to Jephro, all he talked about was his work. He said, this is what the Lord did for Israel. He didn't say, it did say that they, they initially extended, uh, they talked about each other's, uh, they, they exchanged uh, like common things. And they, but when Moses actually talks to Jephro, he starts talking about what God did through the ministry. He doesn't say, I'm struggling, this is hard, uh, can you pray? No, Moses' life was his job. Is that you? Is it your title? Do you live to work or are you working to live? Let me, let me hurry on. And so Moses had friendship problems. He had faulty thinking. When you are exhausted and burned out, you think wrong. He said, so Jephro said, what you're doing ain't right. Why are you doing this, Moses? Why do you feel like you got to? He said, because they come to me, and I give them the answers. They need me. I, I got to do this. And he says, you're going to wear yourself out and everybody else. How many of you know that God doesn't just need you? He doesn't just need me. Moses actually thought, his faulty thinking, that if I don't do all this work at home, if I don't step in, nobody else will, and it'll not get, guess what? If I left my job tomorrow, they'll hire somebody else. <laughs> That's why. Hey, man, how many of you know that all of us are replaceable? Yeah, 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 yeah. And so while you're thinking that you're the only one that can do what needs to be done, they have moved on to the sixth person. So Moses actually thought the reason why I have to do this, even though I'm totally wiped out and, and just... It's because if I don't, who will? Versus if I don't, somebody will. God will raise somebody else up. Are you still with me? Faulty thinking, fatigue and burnout is another problem. Failing to use other people. He says, here's the plan. Here's what you can do. You need to use other people. Uh, so what happens when we do not delegate, when we don't involve other people, when we don't get help, you're going to be fatigued. And so you have to ask yourself, Am I embracing more than I should be, than I should be doing? And so when you get a chance, look at verses 17 through 23. He actually was told, here's a plan that will relieve you from all that you're going to do. This will make your load lighter because they will share it with you. One of the reasons I believe that our ministry is so effective is I don't have to do everything. I don't. I used to think as a pastor, I, had to make, I used to make the budget. I made every decision. I did. I had 35 ministries. I had a description for every one of them. And we had 15 people. We had 35 ministries. 
Now, this is when I first started the church. Sister Mary, uh, Mary Hall knows about that church. They had all these ministries and all these, and everybody, we had, everybody that was there was a teacher. They all had been trained in the Bible, but no, they had nobody to teach. So I made everybody become one class. <laughs> that didn't make everybody happy, but we had to have some students before we could have some classes. And I had to learn that I don't have to develop it. First of all, if the ministry doesn't supernaturally develop within the church, I'm not creating it. God creates ministry. And then we put a fence around it. My training said create the ministry, and then, no, they don't come to something that they don't need. I was answering the questions that nobody was asking. Somebody say amen. I ain't the only one. You will be able to, under, you'll be able to withstand the strain if you allow other people to help you. You're not the only one. You're not the only one. Here, let me give you a prescription. I'm going to finish with this. Here are four practical things that you can do if you feel that you're busy but not being blessed, if you want to be clear on what God is calling you to do. Here's the first thing. Learn to distinguish between what God has required versus what people expect. What is God requiring of you versus what people expect from you? In the same vein, who are you trying to please? Why are you doing what you're doing has God, why, why are you doing what you have agreed to do? You have to ask yourself, why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? As much as I love my wife, I ask myself all the time, I want to be doing things out of a pure heart, out of, out of spontaneity. I want to always take care of my wife, but I want to take care of out of love and, and not just routine. And so I'm constantly going back, Lord, what can I do? Why, why am I doing this? What can I help? Because my job as a husband, husbands, our job, the Bible says, is that we're supposed to present our wives as a, as a, without spot or blemish. That's our assignment. So I got to be trying to figure out how can I do that to help my wife to be all that she can be versus just doing what she may expect from me or what others this is where prayer comes in. This is where, what, what's your prayer life? So to, to determine if you're doing what God has told you to do versus what people expect, you, that's how when you spend time with God, God will let you know. Learn to say no to the expectations of people and yes to God's requirements. Learn to say no. Don't just raise your hand to volunteer. Now, again, I ain't talking to you folks that are going to immediately say no. Or immediately say, I can't do that. Why do you, you figure you can't do that? Well, because I never did it before. You, you may never been on a boat. That doesn't mean you can't get on a boat. Learn to say no to the expectations of the people, but yes to what God requires. If God spoke to you today, would you recognize his voice? Would you recognize that God is speaking to you? Are you, does it, does it seem strange that the very thing that you're running from is what you keep running to? Are you, does that, is that, 
striking a, a, a note in your mind that maybe God is trying to get my attention. I've been running from this. I've been trying not to do this. But every time I turn around, here I am in the same circumstance because God is requiring of you what you don't expect of yourself. You can't attend every meeting. You can't counsel every member. You don't have to have every cookout. You do need to give your pass a gift card. But <laughs> somebody say amen. <laughs> I can't preach every sermon. But I can do what God requires because whatever he requires, even when it demands my, and it always will demand my best, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me when he has called me to do it. Learn that God is responsible for the results. Here's what Jephro said. If you do this and God so commands, you will be able to stand the strain and all these people will be able to go home satisfied. God is responsible for the results. I am not the Holy Spirit. You are not the Holy Spirit. I can't make you grow. You can't make me grow. You can't even make yourself grow. All you can do is surrender to the Holy Spirit. And when we do, the Lord changes us, what, from the inside out. He is responsible for the outcome. The word, somebody say the word works. All, all we need to do, somebody says, some sow and others water, but God what does what? God gives the increase. Jesus said, follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. When we follow Christ, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you can ask whatever you will. It will be done. The results are God's responsibility. If it falls apart, God meant for it to fall apart. If he didn't call me to do it and it didn't work, if, if I'm holding it together and it's not in the strength of the Lord, it doesn't please him anyway because all of my righteousnesses are as filthy rags. I can't please him in the flesh. So I simply want to be in walking in the, with the promises where the spirit of the Lord is liberty. I don't have any liberty. Is. I'm in bondage right now. I can't sleep right now. I'm, I'm just emotionally stressed and I don't know what to do. I want to quit. I want to walk out because I am, again, when I'm not depending on the Lord for the results, my marriage is not working. I don't know how to make this woman know I love her. I don't know how to make this, you know, there's nothing like being in a marriage and someone doesn't love you. And no matter what you do, you done, you done, you done, done the, the Leah thing. You done had 10 babies for that joker, and he's still looking, not, looking at other women. You remember Leah and Rachel? She had all those babies. Now my husband will love me. And then she finally had Judah and said, she named him, I think Judah means praise. She finally got it that this is about God, not about trying to win my husband's love. I can't make this man love me. I can leave the results to God. But there's nothing like being in a marriage where you're not loved. And again, that, that goes, that's a whole nother sermon. That's a whole, whole series. But, the, but if, with, as much as it lieth within us, there should never be a time when we withhold love because the love of God is unconditional. And, and we say we're saved. And so when we say we can love God's way, he said, the Bible said, because the love of God has been poured into our hearts. There's an overflow of love that has been deposited into our hearts simply because we have trusted Christ. There's more than enough love to give when we surrender to the Lord. Leave the results to the Lord. Learn to lead. Well, and here's the final thing. Listen more than you feel compelled to speak. 
So Moses' father-in-law said to him, the things that, the things that you're doing is not, is not good. He said, listen to me. Listen now to my voice. Verse 19, I will give you counsel, and God will be with you. Who should you listen to? People that love you enough to tell you the truth. Who can tell you the truth? Jephro said, this ain't good, bro. You're my son-in-law, but look, this is stupid. Now, he didn't say that. The Bible said we need to speak the truth in what? Love. Who loves you enough that they can tell you the truth? The older we get, we say, I brought you into this world. What you mean telling me that I, no, if you, if you, you telling you the truth, you should receive it. Even if it's from a little child. People that want you to succeed, there's some people, this ministry will be as successful as you help me be successful. We are capable of doing everything that Tony Evans' ministry is doing. Not like we're mimicking him, but they got to be doing a lot of good, great things, amen? Why can't we? What's the difference? He got people that are so committed to his vision that they're not going to see that man fail. So you need to listen to people who are going to see you succeed. They can tell you, oh, baby, I don't know how you're doing that. <laughs> if I was you, I would. No, no, okay, thank you. Move on. Who believes in your vision? People that, that have godly wisdom and are gifted in the area where you're weak. People that are part of the solution, not the problem. People that want to please God. Why should you listen? He said, because the people will be satisfied and you won't be burned out. That's what Jeffro said. That's why you ought to listen. You don't have to learn through experience. Here's the final thing. Laugh more. Say laugh more. Laugh more. Moses could laugh finally because he had less to do. He said, the people will go home, please, and you will be blessed as a result. One of the things that will help us, we need laughter. The Bible says that a cheerful disposition is good for your health. Gloom and doom have leave, will leave your bones tired. When's the last time you had a good laugh? You want to have a good laugh? Just look at yourself. Just, can, you, can you laugh at yourself? Y'all think I'm mad when I, miss, when I mess up the word? No, I ain't mad. I just mess up words. That's all. I know how to laugh at myself. We take ourselves too seriously. Come on now. It ain't that serious. You ain't that serious. I said, in the scriptures, it's a, there's a time to laugh. When you're not burned out and stressed out and fatigued and, and busy but not blessed, you can laugh. You can laugh. Stand with me. Stand with me. Don't be busy but not blessed. 